Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser podcast. We have a truly historic episode this week. I mean, every week is probably historic, but this week is going to be something to behold. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, I'm sure you know we've been anticipating a great finish to the season, not only for the Champions League and not only because we're fans, but I was able to get our friend Paul Bickler to commit to singing on a live podcast uh, for everyone to hear and enjoy and I don't know about enjoying, but at least to hear uh, <laughs> Paul sing in here. So uh, let me do the introductions and then we will kind of like get going with the podcast here. Um, I am your host, Timuchin, as always. And with me this week is the singing coach, uh, Irish Jamie is with us. Irish, how's it going? Whoop, whoop. Da, 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 da. Genie wanna live. All right. See, this doesn't count. Paul is like uh, dancing along. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. That's good. <laughs> did it. So, uh, Jamie, is Paul ready for this? Because we don't want to lose listeners either in this event. <laughs> the better question is, is, is my voice ready for this? After the singing I done yesterday, I'm lucky to have a vocal cord left. With all his vocal cords and ready to sing with us is Mr. Paul Bickler. Paul, what's happening? I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> oh, man, you definitely are here. You're the guest of honor. Um, yeah, we've been kind of like waiting for this uh, great finish to the season. I it, I mean, it takes a lot for Paul to commit to singing. Uh, so it was pretty damn unlikely uh, when we were looking back out of the few weeks back. Uh, even my great and rare optimism got shut out at the time. I can't repeat this well enough because there was one freaking time I was positive on this podcast and it backfired. <laughs> but somehow it has come back uh, full circle, a winning streak that didn't happen all season happens at the end. And we finished this season that was somehow a nightmare of a season, uh, like worst season by a champion and all that kind of crap. And we end up finishing third. So, Paul, let's start with you. How shocked are you and how semi-depressed are you? Because now you have to sing for this. <clears throat> well, yeah, mixed emotions, right? I mean, obviously uh, <laughs> pretty shocked because uh, I'll let you steamroll me into this, like, this bet here, right? Um, but I also feel slightly honored to play a role in motivating the team over the hump. I mean, obviously – you can hear there's airplanes going over. It's This is like such a huge thing. Um, no, I'm sorry. I just live next to the airport. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's shocking, but it's awesome. You just kind of had that feeling uh, when Becker ambles up in the 90th minute of injury time and plunks a header and it makes Premier League history. I just had a feeling I was fucking singing. So, uh, but there are worse things to sing about uh, and sing for. Um and I'm sorry, we're probably going to lose the four listeners that tune in weekly. <laughs> so do you, I mean, do you have something prepared for us? Or are you just going to improvise on the fly or what? I mean, does that sound like me? Does it sound like I'd be prepared? I mean, yes, I'm prepared. Uh, hold on. Let me, uh, let me just grab the band real quick. <laughs> <laughs> just call up the rest of the squad so you can get something going. So, Jamie, what do you make of this? Uh, I mean, Wait, am I singing or not? Yes, we're singing. Did it. 
Yeah, see, I'm already understanding Paul's strategy. Uh, he's hoping that Jamie's just going to sing the freaking entire podcast away. And he's not going to get to Best of the world, same spot for me, no. I know for nine. Thank you, Paul. Oh, score every time. See, senor. That's it, Paul. Just Fabiani will score. All right, you get one verse. That's it. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take this as a down payment for the rest of the podcast, and then we'll. Just- I only paid the band for one verse, so I mean, I was hoping for like a super medley that we go from Bobby, then we go into a bit of. No, I. And then a bit of Ring of Fire for good old days' sake. I think I figured if like you know times are desperate next year and we have an injury crisis, Timuchin can bully me into another side bet. <laughs> so, I feel like we, we built the listeners up like as I, if as if Paul had like prior music lessons and is a, a, a professionally coached singer and we didn't build shit up they knew it was gonna be a train wreck that's why it was a good bet now, uh, yeah that was, was a good bet but I, I don't know I don't count one verse all the way so we're gonna need another verse towards the end of the podcast but that would be kind of like a tease <laughs> No way. This would be better if we had video because people could see my Alberta Moreno jersey. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought uh, I thought for a second that uh, Moreno had a song that I was not aware of or something like that. But No, it was just more of a poetic that we all can't be winners type thing. <laughs> but well, we are all winners with this winning streak. So, Jamie, I mean, what do you make of this? Obviously, almost like came out of nowhere. Uh, and it wasn't pretty by all means. But at the end of the day, I mean, they kind of like figured out ways to win. Unbelievable end of the season. Unbelievable. Like, I think I read somewhere that we we won the last five games of our season, and that's only only ever happened a handful of times in, in, in history. Hold on, I've got it written here. So, our 2-0 win over Crystal Palace meant that we'd won our final five league games, and it's only the sixth time in Liverpool history that we've – oh, so, sorry. It's only the sixth time since 1962 that we've managed to do that. That's crazy. I mean, it really is. And I thought, I mean, obviously we never thought that would happen. It just didn't look like it just watching the team on the field and how things were going and stuff like that. But like Paul says, I think when like Allison comes and scores a goal winner, I mean, the game winner, you're like, uh, this was kind of like somehow meant to be. I really thought when we talked about this last week, um, I really thought Burnley was the tougher challenge. Uh, but you know, the way we're playing is still not, everything is not clicking great. Uh, but it's all about results at this point of, you know, stage of the season. And they kind of like managed to get it done. Uh, I mean, I don't know if there's a point in like going into the details of the game too much. Uh, but I mean, Paul, like, well, what is your biggest takeaway from that? Uh, without going into too much, like, you know, uh, details, cause I, we know, I mean, it's not like a next step forward. A lot of the things that are probably going to change in the off season, but, uh, what is kind of like your biggest take watching the game in terms of the gameplay? Uh, so like from the season, like season snapshot, um, I, I think I said this a lot. And so I hope I'm not repeating myself, but it seems like the end of the season, the way it ended and the way we did it seems super poetic. Um, Part of that comes from a, a lit English major who obviously makes less than $40,000 a year. Cause that's what happens when you do liberal arts in college. Um, but um, like the entire thing, like 
the fact that like we ended it with our fifth and sixth string center backs bloodied and bashed on a clean sheet. The fact that uh, Sadio Mane, who's had like the worst year in his career, essentially gets the two goals to get us through. Um, the whole thing the, came felt like it came full circle in a in a way that's that was scripted. Um, it almost like it's almost like it like a made for TV movie where it was too much. Like I thought there was almost like some of the thing was some of it was ridiculous. Like, you know, if you were to tell you that you'd be like, no fucking way. Nice try Disney shit movie. Like that would never happen. Right. Like, but it's true. It was just, some of it was so unbelievably well scripted. And then you've got the whole side plot of like the genie moment, which was really touching just kind of seeing him and not knowing if you're going to see him in red again and knowing you probably won't. And, his reaction and Klopp's reaction to him. Um, the whole thing was just like really emotional in the way it came full circle. Um, I mean, we could go into gameplay, right? I mean, the gameplay was, I think the last three or four weeks um, have been sustained Liverpool pressure in a way we didn't, we hadn't been able to do the rest of the season. Um, even when we weren't clinical, like the sustained pressure was enough that it eventually just broke defenses down um, off sheer opportunity outside of West Brom, which, you know, you can say is luck. Um, we basically willed it over the line um, in a way that I thought was like incredibly Liverpool. If you sum up what Liverpool means to football and what it means to supporters, super blue collar, right? Um, I don't know. So Paul, when you say it's, it's very poetic, would you go as far as to say it was poetry in motion? Oh, la 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 la. I'm the one with kids, man. Leave the dad jokes over here. <laughs> Jamie, what is your takeaway from that game? I mean, just like looking at the gameplay itself mainly, I guess, but the overall. The game or the Crystal Palace? Uh, the Crystal Palace game. Well, I mean, yeah, very much like Paul was saying, you know, we, we struggled early to get our goal and you could kind of see those, those same kind of tensions creeping in almost and then it, it just like like Paul said again, we, we build it over the line and uh, things there was a few slices of luck to, to the to the two Sadio goals. Um but yeah, just an unbelievable end into the seat. Just unbelievable. Like it's ugh, I'm 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 still speechless, lads. It's 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 mad really, you know. And the genie moment, like Paul said yet again, I mean you're just really emotional seeing him uh, accept accept the adulation and the love from his his teammates and, and ten thousand people in Anfield, um, which the the ten thousand in Anfield were fantastic. You know, you'll never walk alone. At the start was phenomenal. The 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 lap of fuck it, it's it's a lap of honor. It's not a lap of adulation. That's a that we won. A, and I know other other so-called rival fans will, will probably laugh and love love to hear Liverpool fans say this that we're celebrating top four, but this year we've got every reason and every right to celebrate top four. I don't give a fuck what Arsene Wenger says. What did Arsene Wenger say? Did he say anything? Oh, I don't know. They, you pinpoint them like that. <laughs> they, just, they, they just got Champions League football for 22 years straight, and you know, then you know what I mean. It, they were the. He's just French, so we just put that in there, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought one thing that really 
kind of like stuck out to me over the last, I would say, I mean, during this run mainly is probably the play of Thiago and almost like, man, what do we miss? And, you know, when I look at, you know, when you look at a season and obviously we were playing for something as well, but you're almost like trying to get, especially after the season we had, you're trying to like, kind of like get some things that you like, man, you can really build on this sort of trying to find some positives uh, I know I rarely do this, but trying to find some things to kind of like build up on and look forward to. And that was one of the takeaways I had was like, man, the dude is unreal. And this is kind of like probably all summer when we were excited about him coming over. I think this is what kind of like we all envisioned to be able to see. And with the midfield being disrupted all the time for one reason or the other, mainly injuries, we never got to get the most out of him. His injury obviously included uh, but it's almost like, man, I mean, what a midfield it could be uh, when Hendo gets back. Uh, I mean, as this trio would be on like top games where you're against like, you know, important Champions League games, important league games would be an awesome trio to have in midfield because you can almost tell how much even more effective he would be uh, with Hendo in there too. But that was like my biggest takeaway. But I want to go back to Genie because you mentioned, you guys both mentioned like, you know, Genie. And I saw in a bunch of groups, uh, and mostly international groups, which, but I think we do this as fans, or some fans do this, I guess, where we kind of poo poo the guy that's leaving uh, for, you know, like somewhere else and not sticking around and stuff. I saw a ton of, you know, like, oh, he's not all that, you know, what has he done? And like, kind of like only looking at numbers instead of play. But I mean, he has got to leave a huge void in that midfield, isn't he, Paul? Yeah, for sure. Um, he definitely is. I think the thing that stands out to me about Genie is he prefers an advanced role. He likes to be more of a creative attacking midfield option. And obviously, when we think of Genie, his most memorable moments are scoring big-time goals and big-time games. And we can go back to Barcelona, right, and the substitution there. But I think what has made him so critical to this team outside of his durability is his ability to do all the sort of dirty things in the midfield that nobody really sees on the stat sheet. And to me, when I look at his game, he has one of the best – uh, tight area ball control skill sets that I've ever seen in a midfielder period. Like just like he can be surrounded by three guys in the midfield and retain possession. Like he just doesn't cough the ball up. Um, I mean, you know, if he has a bad game, it's because he's made a bad pass, but like he, he has his control in tight spaces is unreal. Um, and so like, I think when you when you took when you take a look at like his durability coupled with the fact that he just plays um, mistake free football when it's at his feet, um, it allows for all those other things to happen in front of him. Um, so yeah, I definitely think we're gonna miss him in a big way. I understand both sides. I understand like what he wants as a footballer. I understand what Liverpool wants from a business side. And to me, this is a natural business impasse that sometimes happens with players. One of our guys on Discord made a pretty good point. Well, like this kind of is similar to like the Emre Chan situation, right? Um, where Emre wanted a different scenario with more guaranteed playing time in a different position. Um, I kind of see a little bit about that. I think this boils more down to financials than, than Emery Chan did, but like, 
Um, I think there's some similarities there. He's definitely going to be missed in a big way. Um, not only from on the field, but like he's a super big personality. Like he's, he's soft-spoken, but he's a big personality and a big have in that dressing room as well. I mean, yeah, and being chosen as one of the captains by the players as like the second tier with like him and Van Dyke, I mean, shows that by itself. I mean, I watch soccer a lot since I was born. I'm not going to tell how many years, but it's a lot of freaking years, as we all know. And by far the best shielder of the ball I have ever seen over these years. And that goes back to you know, what you're talking about. You can have three guys like, you know, surrounding him and just shielding the ball, keeping possession and stuff like that. I just don't think sometimes people only look at stats. I don't know if somehow the partial like Americanization of the game, I would say, but honestly, the fans I read, most of them were like in international groups, uh, kind of like pooping his value overall. Like, Oh, what does he really do? Like how many goals apart from the Barcelona game? Can you remember? And stuff like that. But he does so freaking much. And I think, you know, we're definitely going to be missing him a lot. I mean, Right. I mean, Jamie, durability alone is like a Jesus. huge factor. He's been there every freaking game. And that's that's the thing, like Paul was alluding to. Like, there's there's so much about Jeannie and Jeannie's game that isn't quantifiable on a fucking stat sheet. All you need to do is watch Jeannie. Like, I always go back to the old Sky Sports addition uh, they had in sort of like the 90s and early 2000s where you – you could watch a player cam. So you could choose which player and the camera would just solely focus on him. A bit like what we talk about with Bobby. You know, you you watch Bobby, you see the game. You you watch the game, you miss Bobby. But Jeannie, Jeannie could literally nutmeg a guy in a fucking phone booth. You know what I'm saying? Like, and all you need to do is watch Jeannie for 20, 30 minutes in that midfield, like you're saying, like the shielding that he does. Um cutting down the passing lanes, you know, things that just yeah, are just ingrained into him. Like somebody on Redman TV said it, uh, they were interviewing fans after the stadium. I think it was a few years back. They just said, uh, Jeannie's just a little too Dutch, isn't he? You know what I mean? He, he's too Dutch. If there's such a thing as being too Dutch, Jeannie is it. Like he's a magician. And a lot of that is lost on the average um wannabe tactician or or the next football manager manager you know what i'm saying like um yeah i think i think a lot of that sour sour grapes um just because he is leaving and people feel that maybe he still owes us something i certainly don't the man doesn't owe us anything he, he gave his heart and soul for liverpool football club and it you can tell by you know just virgil hugging him at the very end there in the stands and and getting subbed off early to such a great, great, well, or such a great response. And just in general, how, you know, his eyes were well and up. You could see it in the man. He's so soft-spoken, like Paul was saying. He's so humble. He's not uh, a braggadocio. He's not a, a, a very boisterous player um, or person, but um, definitely one we're going to miss. And, and like he said in his interviews, he, he's a Liverpool fan for life. He's one of us. Genie is a Liverpool legend, and you know that that's that's no that's no small thing. And I think the reason he doesn't owe anything to us is exactly because of the type of fans that basically just like talk crap about him because he's doing something else with his career, 
and like not appreciating what he did while he was here. Yeah. And then, I mean, I read like one discussion going back and forth and they was like, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it boiled down to money. Uh, we're assuming like in terms of wages or the length of the contract, which, you know, obviously ends up in being the money again. And I mean, the guy is going to do obviously best for him, but then he did everything he could while he was here as a Liverpool player. I don't think anybody can doubt his efforts throughout the season, even, you know, in the, the second part of the season where, you know, like, you know, he was pretty much all but gone. Uh, I kind of left the door open with what was post, but I mean, we hear more and more about, I mean, Bayern was one of the teams mentioned today. I mean, there'll be a lot of takers and there'll be a lot of people who will be willing to, you know, willing to pay for his services just because of what he brings. But I think like some of the, the fan, the lack of, I'm always amazed with the lack of loyalty. The fans sometimes show the players but then they want loyalty from fans. If I'm GD and I'm reading that post about me because I'm reading, I'm like, screw you. This is exactly why I'm leaving. And there's no reason for me to be loyal to you. Well, you're not going to be loyal to me just because I made the specific decision for me and my family. And my favorite comment is, oh, yeah, you know, how would he live only on $100,000 a week? Like everybody who is listening to this podcast would not take a better opportunity the moment they were given, if it's going to, you know, serve themselves or their family better and stuff like that, that kind of like kills me, which kind of like brings me to the other thing. So we, I mean, most fans obviously go, I mean, we probably are guilty of that sometimes too, but I try to kind of like stay as in the middle as possible, not get too high, not get too low. Uh, Sometimes we get ridiculously way too high on players. off of a couple of games. And to me, that's for the current center back pairing we have right now, uh, where suddenly they're world beaters. Whereas in the Burnley game, in the Crystal Palace game, this week alone, and we've talked about this in the past, we gave a ton of chances to be scored on early in the game. And not for our goalie, you know, standing on his head, Freaking scoring goals as well, I guess. Uh, I mean, these people would be bashing those center backs saying, oh, these guys were never good enough. We should have done this. We should have done that. Then we go back to square one. The ridiculous highs and lows drive me nuts, Paul. Does it drive you nuts as well? I mean, you're asking the fucking angry guy if it drives him nuts. <laughs> That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> uh, I mean, like. People are emotional. People are fickle. Like the whole, like I've been reading all week how like Nat deserves a shot to start next to Virgil van Dyke. It's like, get the fuck out of here with that, man. Like you, like I love Nat. I love his story. I love like, I mean, if anyone knows me for 15 minutes, they know I like a blue collar story. Like, um, can look at me. Um, but anyway, like, <laughs> I, I, I like, the thing is, is like there's serious physical limitations that we have essentially covered up by making tactical changes, whether it's Fab doesn't get, you know, Fab doesn't have as much free row mobility. He sits back deeper. Uh, Trent doesn't bomb forward as often. Like we have made some serious tactical adjustments to sort of cover up the fact that we have a back line that's a, essentially a teenager uh, and essentially a rookie, like a, a dude who was a, who was being shopped in the window before COVID, 
because he wanted starting football and was never going to get anywhere near our first team starting. starting too, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, just, he just wasn't like in the fact of the matter is he was in Bundesliga and not getting game time. He was, he was getting passed up on a, uh, um, a team in the Bundesliga that was at the bottom of the table and he couldn't break into that starting 11 consistently. Like, so, I mean, we have to be honest. He's in, in like, you know, people are like, Oh, I don't know about punch above his weight. Like, listen, like he has done phenomenally well given the situation. I don't want to take anything away from him. I admire his grit, his steel, like everything that he's shown has been like, uh, I'm tremendously grateful for what he's done for the side, but like, you have to be realistic about it. And the fact of the matter is, those two guys are, should not be anywhere near the starting 11 next year um, with a healthy team. Um, you know, we're going to obviously see what happens with Kabak and, and Kanate is apparently, you know, should be a done deal. We'll see what happens. We've seen things fall through, but um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but that's like, we have to be, we have to be, we can appreciate the achievement, right? We can appreciate the achievement without getting carried away. And I think that's my thing. You know, if we're going to evaluate players, do not evaluate the player based on the final score of the game, but right. what your eyes show you as you watch the game. I mean, if every ball over the top is going through and becoming dangerous and you can see the lack of pace and you know how we play. I mean, I've heard people saying, well, maybe we shouldn't play that much of a high line that, I mean, just to be able to compensate to have Nat Phillips in the starting 11, I don't think we should be playing, changing how we play. I mean, this is how we're going to play. Everything else is, built around the system and if those center backs are healthy uh like gomez and, and here's another thing like how the hell do we so fast forget players like gomez and matip uh people who like won us the champions league won us the title and suddenly put that phillips over it and i understand that i'm mean, i'm on the same page i love the guy's story i kind of i mean it's because to me it's almost like Man, maybe I could have made it in there too, because God knows if I got a chance to play for Liverpool, I would stick my head everywhere too. But I don't care who's kicking or whatever. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you look at qualities and what we, my thing is, if Nathalie's playing was for another team, would we want Liverpool to spend 20, 30 million to sign him? And I'm assuming everybody's answer normally would be a no. We would be like, oh, it works there, but he would not fit our system. So why? I, I, think what we see, I think what we're seeing is the same thing that we see with like arguments that are made for Genie and in, in what we've heard about Tiago, right? Like, I, I like, and I hate to sound like the old guy again because that's you, Timuchin, but like, we, we, we like, we, this is like a FIFA generation that's coming up right now. And like, so much of it is like, oh, like, if you don't, if you're, if you're a midfielder and you don't score 15 goals a game, what the fuck are you doing? Right? Like, or people are like, oh, Tiago has only got one assist. But people are, are – he doesn't have an assist and he only has one goal, actually. So he doesn't have any assist. But people aren't, aren't, aren't understanding the fact that Tiago is the pass before the pass, right? Or Genie is the guy that, that nullifies any sort of counter. He's the guy that shields the ball and protects the ball in distribution. Like, they don't – like, these sort of fundamental things that don't show up, like, necessarily on a stat sheet, like are completely missed. And that's the same thing that happens with Nata Reese. We see clean sheet, we see win, we emotionally react. These guys are fucking killing it. Like, I mean, like hats off. I will applaud them all day. They put in a great effort, but like you have to look beyond that, right? I mean, I, you brought this off. 
Um, you brought this up several times, Simushin. Chris Wood absolutely had his way with Nat Phillips in that match. Like time after time when they bombed it over the top of Nat, like Chris Wood just like had his fucking way. And we, we got fortunate. Reese made some big stops coming back. But like when you're looking at this team, the, the West Brom goal, man, like that was a mistake by Reese Williams. But if that's Gomez or Virgil or Mati, they likely get over and they cover that in time. Like Nat doesn't have the recovery pace to get out, get over there. And it's a goal. Like, you know, people just, I think people, it's, it's beyond that first layer. And I think people have a hard time getting there. Yeah. That's why I, mean, I, I know Jamie, I know Jamie, you're on the kind of like slightly on the other spectrum of this, but before we, right, even, that's why I'm keeping quiet right now. Yeah. Before <laughs> we even get to that, I find it ironic that Bickler would rip on my age but then use FIFA in the next sentence <laughs> where I had beaten him repeatedly senseless on FIFA, but I wanted to mention that. That is true. Timuchin is old as fucking awesome at FIFA. Like, <laughs> okay, maybe. Okay. That's, that's fine then. I'll take that. There's a title for the pod, by the way. <laughs> so oldest, Jamie, oldest what is your take? The thumb still work. <laughs> Yeah, I actually um, went back to Pro Evo Soccer because Timuchin busted my ass wide open at FIFA. <laughs> uh, not a good time, man. It's not a good time. No, in all seriousness, though, um, don't ever play the fucking Turkish style in at FIFA. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, in all seriousness, and go back to the centre-back conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, let's go back to, to Nat and Reese. I was, I'm glad you brought up Chris Wood um, because... The one chance in the Burnley game, um, and I, I I looked it over a few times because when I was watching it, I immediately thought, well, Reese steps up to cut out the ball, and it's the one where Chris Ward blasts it high onto Allison's left wide, and it it should have been a goal. Yep. Um so Reese steps up and misses the like tiny little lofted through ball into Chris Wood. But who who's also to blame on that as well is Nat for not he holds the line. Well he doesn't hold the line actually. He's a yard behind everybody else. So he keeps him on side. So there's two people to blame there. So it's Reese for for initially stepping out of his line and then Nat for not keeping the line the way it should be. But for me that's um a lack of tactical nurse um knowledge and just playing uh, with each other you that this i think that was like their fifth game together anyway it doesn't matter um of course they're going to get the plaudits uh they deserve the plaudits i believe um especially not you know he's been heading the ball off the line consistently got his goal um you know he he, he has made like three clearances off the line in the past five games, which, you know, can't, can't hurt uh, your eyes in front of the cop and, and, and the loyal fan base that we have. But um, they've plugged the hole there or thereabouts. They've, they've almost plugged the hole. Um, and, you know, with our momentum, et cetera, going towards the end of the season, they have done fantastically well. Nobody should be under any any illusions that they're not first team football. Um, I know Nat Phillips now has his own song. Uh, he has his own nickname. He's the Bolton Barese. 
Um, the Not Phillips song is very simple, Paul, if you ever wanted to learn it or sing it. I was that. just going to get there, maybe. I, I was just going to get there. I that know. could be the end of the podcast. You can teach Paul how to sing the song. appreciate it. So basically, <laughs> it's sung along to Love is in the Air, but it's just Phillips in the Air. <laughs> Come on, Paul, you can do that. That sounds good. I'll let Jimmy do it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, nobody should be under any illusions. They're, they've, they've done fantastically well. They're still young. Um, and, and I have said it before, I do think that Nat, more so than Reese. now we all know that you can't teach pace, but what you can teach and what you can garner from experience and minutes on the field is you can learn where to be ahead of time in order to be, in order to be prepared for, um, you know, your reading of the game can be better. Um, so I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that Nat is going to be fantastic and he is going to be a, a fantastic Premier League defender or even get another couple of appearances in a Liverpool shirt. What I am saying is he can learn ways to deal with his lack of pace. Um, so in that respect, I'm, I, I wouldn't close the door to getting rid of Nat. Um, I would hate for us to be in another position where we find ourselves this year and be short, um, barring any god awful injuries yet again but um yeah i don't think reese is cut out he's not cut from the same cloth that matt phillips is i mean i personally think matt phillips can be a good first team player in a team that can kind of use what he brings better and does not play a high line i mean he's the kind of guy that we would probably hate playing against uh if we were playing you know they're playing that low block at home and he would be like, you know, sticking his head here, sticking his foot there, uh, blocking stuff. But they're playing a low block where, you know, his pace is not big of an issue. Uh, so a team that maybe just came to the Premier League or a team that's going to play mostly defensive and rely on like the, on the counter and stuff like that. I think he can be a very successful player there. I mean, I understand what you're saying in terms of positioning. But let me tell you this as a center back who was not gifted with pace. That only gets you so far. Because, <laughs> right. uh, I mean, especially with the way we play, I mean, in the good old days where there was a sweeper concept, that's what I played because then you could be a slow sweeper and kind of get right. away with my positioning. But and, and no offense to Nat Phillips, he's no Maldini. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Maldini <laughs> and was quoted with saying things like, if I, if I have to make a tackle, I've already fucked up, basically. So, you know, and that's kind of what I'm alluding to, like Nat's decision making and, and game read. But I mean, you're not wrong. I think that would improve. And I, like you're saying, if they played together, it would improve. I think everybody is talking about, you know, we've seen over time, obviously, how much better people like Van Dyke makes people next to him better. But he's doesn't make him faster. The people that are next to him still have that pace to recover. I mean, I know when Kabak came, for example, I mentioned that he was just like Gomez, where they can be slightly out of position sometimes, which is okay for a young player. It's kind of part of the learning curve, but they have the pace to kind of like make up for that mistake most of the time. And I don't think like Nat has that. Like I say, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, I mean, dude has done great goal line clearances. He has a good second sense in terms of a defensive player to know where the danger is and where to go and stuff. I just don't think he just fits how we play uh looking forward so let me ask you this paul 
And this is where it gets tricky because I honestly don't know if, you know, Nat does stay, if it is partially due to homegrown and all those kinds of numbers. I'm not too familiar with that in terms of where we're at. Or, and obviously it matters, depends on who comes in and who goes out too. But in an ideal scenario, uh, who, and I highly doubt we would ever have five center backs on the squad even after this year. Uh, who is your ideal for to have their out of the names mentions? Man, I wish I could use my phone a friend because Jennings always knows the homegrown stuff. Like he's like, oh yeah, we have 18 homegrown players. We can only have 16. Like um, I, out of the four mentioned. Uh... I mean, if you pick four out of what we have on the roster and Konate's name is thrown around, Almost too much. I feel like unless something goes wrong with the physical, that's almost looks like it's going to happen. Yeah. So let, was, okay. So yeah. let's assume Kanate is a done deal, right? Let's assume let's assume that's a done deal. It's got to be Virgil Kanate. That's my one and two. I think Kanate is better than Gomez. I really do. I and mean, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Gomez and Mata, right? I mean, those are the four. I think. I, I think you could. Here's my thing. I I think you could ship Mata. Like I. If it were me, I would find a home for Matip and I would keep Kabak. Okay. I don't think we'll do that. I mean, everything, everything that I'm reading sounds like for whatever reason, we've cooled on the idea of, of signing Mat, uh, of Kabak, which I think is a mistake. I think a player of his ceiling at 18 million pounds with all the major clubs in world football sniffing around him, I think it'd be really stupid not to go ahead and sign him, especially considering the fact that all the intangibles that he has fits our actual system in terms of pace of play, the ability to play a high line. He came from like uh, the school that played a high line traditionally. So that's what he was brought up in. Uh, I think it would be really stupid not to sign him. Um, but let's assume I kind of feel like it's going to be Matip there. And, and, and Matip makes sense. He's he, In my opinion, he's our best center back on the ball. Um, I think he's yes. better than Virgil on the ball. Um, I think he's underrated aerially. I think he's very good in the air. Um, you know, the only, uh, the, the only obvious glaring thing against him is the fact that he just can't stay fit for whatever reason. Maybe it's because he's built like a giraffe. Uh, maybe it's because he's a weirdo. I don't know. But I actually love those things about him um, other than the fact that he gets hurt. I love Matip, and I will argue that our inability sometimes to open up these low blocks is mainly due to not having those center backs as well. Because yeah. uh, especially Matip at home, like, but here's the thing, because Matip can afford to take off sometimes like that and go in between the lines and pass because the guy you're leaving behind in Van Dyke can go from sideline to sideline in a heartbeat. So I think he spent some time at Schalke in midfield occasionally, which – Really? See, I did not know that, but I can see that. I mean, like as a defensive midfielder, I assume, yeah, right? As, as, as like an anchor mid, yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I can see that because he is great on the ball. It looks awkward, but I mean, I love Matip, and I hope he stays. I mean, obviously, we don't know health. Uh, one thing that I thought of uh, before I come to you, Jamie, and get your like four or like, you know, four plus one. Uh, one thing that Kabak would bring is the ability to play right back as well, similar to Gomez. Uh, but I don't know if that would mean, I guess really that would kind of affect what we think of Nico and his long-term with the club as well, if that's going to come into play. I really feel like, yeah, 18 million is a catch. But like I say, being a Turkish dude, uh, I'm assuming, you know, 
my opinion is probably slightly biased, even though, you know, the kids came up from the Galatasaray system who I could not hate more. I hate it as much as Neymar. So that should tell you right there. So, <laughs> Jamie, what is your four plus one? By the way, Neymar did not win the French League. And that was that was the that second. Was- I was already happy as hell. And then when the Turkish dudes won the League One and Neymar couldn't, I was just like, I was the happiest guy in Charleston this weekend. PSG not, not winning the league is good for football. We yes. Yeah. That's a fair assumption. Um, I guess my four plus one, it, it's pretty much what Paul's saying. I mean, yeah, it's um, as long as we don't manage to slip any midfielders back there. I mean, shit, Hendo could play right back for, for a game or two if we need to rest Trent. Um, but other than that, let's not have any more midfielders at the, in the back line. Um, yeah. So, VVD, Kanade, Joel and Joe. Okay, and who's the plus one? I'll take that. I'll take. I'll take that. Yeah, you're taking that. See, I knew he would take that. See, I knew that over Kabak. That is like the good. That's like the good poll question, right? I mean, I think that's that's a that's a pretty big. It'd be interesting to see, man. I think if you threw that on the U.S. U.S. group, I think it'd be like sixty-five now. See, I disagree. We should maybe do this just to uh, we can have another bet. You prove the point, right? Yeah, uh, we can have other bets. You can have a, like a full solo session next podcast. But I feel like right now it would be 80, 20 or so. It, but this is what gets to me. Because is, it's fresh in your memory, I guess. If from... some of those opportunities were actually scored by Chris Wood or Zaha, you know, like when we gave those chances it would probably go back to 50-50 or, yeah, these guys are just not good enough and stuff like that. I think a lot of people just kind of like looking at it, the results and doing the can't argue with the result thing. Uh, yes, you can, because uh, there's a lot of things we change for one uh, to be able to kind of compensate for that lack of phase. And two, you would not be saying the same thing if they score. Because let's face it, guys. I mean, if we get scored on early in one of those games, uh Alisson can only come up so many times and score another freaking goal. So uh, that's kind of like where I'm at on that. So, Jamie, what do you think? The If we did a poll like that today, what would be the percentage if we said Nan and Kabak? Well, I think if you, you asked the poll in the United Kingdom, it would be mainly that. I think if you asked the poll in America, it would be probably be less so and i i'm not saying that that's any reflection on knowledge or whatever i just think that it's a it's a headstrong topic if you know what i'm saying there's a lot of emotion involved in it, a lot of bias if you will um and like you said as well uh short memory uh you know it's it's certainly it certainly helps that not scored and made a couple of goal line clearances in the past few games. But like you said, if you micro analyze the games, um, which, you know, you can get bogged down in the details. Yes, we could have conceded a lot of goals. We didn't, but the, the potential was definitely there on any given day. Chris Wood gets a hat trick or, you know, something else, you know, like, um, yeah. So, it's, it's easy to look back in hindsight now, um, considering that we've just won all our games. Um, 
but it's definitely a, a it's definitely a topic worth discussion i think because opinions are you know fragile everybody has one so i guess um it's good to have discussions on these things because you know my opinion's not right your opinion's not right that it, it's you know um but uh <laughs> sorry not, what are you not, saying you know. that? Um, but yeah, like uh, it's it's um it's a good problem to have. Like, look at this season where we sold Lovren and automatically it seemed like it shot ourselves in the foot. Um, this isn't a problem. This is a good thing, you know. And I I see a lot of people saying, you know, well, <laughs> what about Davies? <laughs> you know, <laughs> how the fuck how the fuck does that poor fella feel? So let me, as you guys this then, um, obviously this is just a gut feeling than anything else. After what happened this year, going into next year, how many center backs are in that squad, Paul? Is it uh, four? I mean, we freaking went with three, which is kind of like maddening. I, I think I we'll have four. Back, Listen, I think we'll have four. Jurgen Klopp doesn't like to commit to a lot of bodies in one position and one on the team ever like and he's always been like that and like you got to remember he went with three going into this year this wasn't our first center back crisis remember when we started lucas Leva? because like we had lost all of our we lost like i, I think it was like skirtle was out like we had lost like everybody and like we started so this isn't his first time being in his short stint with Liverpool and the scope of things, like he's seen this before and he still rolled with three. So I think he rolls with four. I mean, I think he does. We can always buy two on deadline day. Oh, Jesus, dude. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's buy one, hold on to him, continuously loan him out, maybe sell him for twice. I don't know. Yeah, buy one. I, I, don't think, I still don't think Davies is real. I think he's the dude from Tottenham and we're just using a hologram. Yeah, buy one get one mystery player it's like a bad promotion <laughs> it's just like the other guy nobody sees uh, he's like only in like a promotional video he's not like an actual player, player. <laughs> uh, so what do you think four or five Jamie I, I, I want to err on caution and just say five but considering our squad size etc well we, we will be losing Genie um, I just Googled there whilst we were talking as well. Um, top flight rules say 25-man squad has eight spots for homegrown players. I'm not sure if Nat Phillips falls into that. Um, that might be worth checking up. But um, 17 spots are there, therefore, um, for non-homegrown players. I really feel, I mean, the only way I can kind of explain why I wouldn't sign Kabak is we feel for another 10, 15 more, we're able to get Konate. I personally do not know as much about Konate. I haven't seen him play as much to be able to kind of like, you know, have like a really positive. I've just like seen like scouting reports and stuff like that. I don't believe in like watching YouTube videos and stuff like that. So it's more like scouting reports and stuff. But um I can see maybe they're like, hey, it's a bigger upgrade. Uh, and if we're going to spend money, let's spend it on him, spend a bit more and get the guy we want. And then we just keep uh, the three that we enter the season with. I mean, in some ways you can say, hey, this just happened. The chances of this happening again in the same position 
by, you know, uh, my stat calculation is very slim, but it's freaking Murphy's law at the same time. So it could happen. So that's one of those things that definitely. Gomez and Madoff we're talking about. (laughs) And that's the problem. It's not in terms of the position, having that many injuries in the same spot, I understand. But then, yeah, two of your players have had a history of consistently having this issue as well so that's something that and i know what you know I way, have you seen the size of the fucking scar on joe gomez's knee yeah i it's know like, right it's like a foot long that's a full subway sandwich of a scar <laughs> it's huge and it, that's the thing i mean i really i'm glad in some ways he's gonna have the summer like van dyke not going to euros i'm sure he's not happy it is good for the club overall um so let's talk about the euros for a little bit uh how much are you into i'm obviously into it because uh, i mean first of all it's soccer uh second of all turkey's in it uh Third of all, actually, they're a decent team for once. And uh, and like I say, it's soccer, so I'm going to be into it and watching pretty much like every freaking game probably. Uh, Paul, how about you? Yeah, I love the Euros. I think it's more like a, it's like a condensed World Cup, right? That's that's why I like it. So, like, uh, I mean, if you take Portugal out of the mix, it's actually less diving. So, um, I, I, I love the Euros. I think it's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be good. See, I personally like the World Cup over Euros just because it brings different styles into play. Yeah, true. But, um, yeah, because sometimes, I mean, there have been some Euros that have been almost like semi-boring to watch. Uh, but, like I say, Turkey being in it obviously is a huge factor for me. How about you, Jamie? Yeah, I'm excited. Any chance to watch England get beat is always good. Um, <laughs> uh, and... The news coming out today about the Spain squad is just fucking hilarious. No Real Madrid players involved and no Sergio Ramos. That I thought was a shocker. Yeah. And hilarious. Like, yes. Serves him right, I guess. But so I mean we'll probably talk in the obviously in the next episodes, uh, more probably about the Euros as we head into it. Uh, pick our favorites and stuff like that. We're actually talking about doing like a poll, I think, too. So uh, we'll probably get to that uh, in the next episode, go kind of into more, uh, talk about like our players who are like taking part and stuff like that, because we'll probably try to keep a close eye on those guys and who gets how many minutes and stuff like that. It's all, I mean, these national teams, especially when it's kind of like overlaps with Liverpool, is, man, so conflicting because, you know, we obviously like these guys. It's a very likable team, like full of, good dudes so you want them to do well on a personal level but in some ways man it's like uh just don't get hurt in some ways you don't want them out there in some ways you want them out there so it's kind of like a torn feeling of constantly like watching it so uh one last thing i wanted to talk about is uh obviously we talked about this and i know paul said and that was one thing with like Champions League qualification for me. I felt like we would have a more open uh, buying approach to the summer. Um, do you still expect that kind of spending this summer? Not maybe big names, but kind of like, you know, getting some known guys, if you will, Paul, or are you thinking we sign some yeah. guys that are kind of like gems? I, th- I think it's, I mean, I think it's going to be a busy window. I really do. Like I've said that in the beginning, I think, 
I think if anything, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I think like there's a side of it that thinks that FSG is going to think that this is just sort of a one-off situation with the pandemic. But I think there's also got to be a part of the club that understands that this is a team that needs to grow its squad size in general and has a fair amount of dead wood. So um, it's going to be interesting because I think if the right parts move, I'll sort of qualify my, my initial thing where I said it was going to be a big summer. I think if the right parts move, it has the potential to be a big summer uh, because I think there are uh, areas of opportunity that obviously need strengthening. Uh, Kanate looks like, you know, it's going to address the center back situation pretty well. Um, I, you know, if we can sign Kabak, I would love that. I think that would further strengthen it. Um, but I think we're going to be looking for fullback depth. And I think we're also going to be looking at the midfield. Uh, Basuma has been heavily linked. That makes a lot of sense to me uh, out of Brighton. Uh, Sander Burge out of Sheffield United is another one that makes a lot of sense to me in terms of quality youth um, and plays the way that we play. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, bit parts out there that I think that uh, makes sense for the team. I think I think I think you could see five or six quality players come in. How about you, Jamie? Yeah, I'd be okay with that. I think they're going to be typical Edwards signings, though. I don't um, don't hold your breath for the the Mbappe, Haaland, Sancho trio. Um, or who who's that Barcelona prick that we got linked with today? Um, Griezmann. 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 Yeah, that won't be happening. Um, yeah, I'd be happy with uh, with a few other um, ones that we've been linked with. Um, but yeah, Kanate, depending on who you talk to, is going to be a great signing or a terrible idea because he's had an injury past as well. But it, the further you look into it, that doesn't quite look as bad as it perhaps reads. Um, yeah. I'm looking for some Michael Edwards magic this season because, like Paul said, we've got a slightly aging squad, a bit of dead wood to shift. Um, Ox put a massive stamp on his name there the other week with his goal um, and went a, a small way to to showing that he's he's willing to to put in the work yet again despite his injury past um Nabi Kaida sounds like Klopp's going to hold on to for another year. So, yeah, I mean, if we can get rid of a few of the, the, the guys on the fringe, I'd be happy with three, maybe four signings. Do you want me to run down the homegrown list real quick? Yeah, sure. So, okay, so we could keep, you know, eight's the limit. We've got 12 right now. Uh, so let's run down the ones you think we're going to keep, right? Trent keeping, right? Yep. I'm writing it down, baby. Go ahead. <laughs> Gomez? Yep. Keeping. Milner? Mari. Yep. Keeping. Henderson? Keeping. Curtis Jones? Keeping. So that's a five. This is where it gets interesting, right? Oxlade Chamberlain? I mean, I think, I think we just keep, that right? aspect alone makes him. Right. Right, because before, if you didn't know that, you'd be like, "Oh, we could get rid of him; he's never have never healthy." But if you know he's homegrown and he can come in and score from range like he did, I think we keep him. Right, so that's yep. sick. Reese Williams. Mm, nope. Okay, so question mark over Reese Williams, Ben Davies. 
who's not a real player. <laughs> I think Tottenham will keep him. Now we know why we turned him into a hologram. All right. Um, uh, oh, there's a way we. Because he was on that cooking program, maybe there's a way we could just put him in 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 the kitchen and call right. him up if needed. Just wear a jersey Ojo. in the kitchen. Ojo at Rangers, man, had a good start to his loan, but has like pretty much been shite the second half of the season. They haven't even seen the starting eleven. So I, who knows if he's going to get loaned or not? That's another one. Harvey Elliott. I mean, I think he gets a first team look just based on that. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Right? So that's Elliot. If I count Elliot, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So we got to find one that we know is going to make it in. It, Reese Williams, we were cut, like, if we keep Reese, that's eight. Nico Williams. Okay. So I it's like keep him just for depth. Yeah. Probably. yeah so who else you got? So we got to. And, and then it leaves the only one left is Woodburn, which I mean, he's had his he's he's had some really bad injury luck the last two years. So. It's it is tight. It is tight from an English national standpoint. Yeah, that is interesting. That's a yeah. Th- so definitely on the next podcast, uh, aside from gonna these numbers, we're gonna have to do. We're gonna have to go through the squad depth and kind of give our votes on move on or keep. Because I think I can see us being definitely on different ends on players like Shaq and Keita and stuff like that. Because. Um, and I think this is a better time to talk about this rather than, you know, after a game or something like that. So you can kind of like yeah. hit the body and everything and make like a more like an objective call as opposed to, you know, right after, you know, right after he scored or right after he sucked or, you know, whatever. So, uh, <laughs> let's, so uh, we'll- let's see if we can get Jennings involved for that one for some clarity. And uh, he would be a good one to have on. Yeah, he'd be a good one to have on. Definitely. Uh, so, but you know what would be great to have on, Paul? And not a song, that's for sure. <laughs> so I was hoping you could do another verse as we exit the show. Because, you know, I'm guessing this is going to be a record listen show. We've had some, like, great ones, but we've been kind of teasing Dude, they're this. they're not going to make it after the first five minutes. minutes. What are you talking about? There's something Beckler wants you to know. <laughs> I gotta bring that up again. I don't even know where it is. Hold on. <laughs> well, you have to have music in the background, dude. We, we'll just take the lyrics. What about the Tiago one? The Tiago one? The first time can do a whole podcast where you just knew it was love. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna play it just so I can like act like I know it, so Jamie will sing it. <laughs> right. Oh, no, the, the, you started. Jamie will help you finish. Come, come yeah. across the finish line. Dude, I'm not a son. <laughs> you know this. You can ask Jamie at the pub. Everyone's singing, and I'm over there, like, stewing over my, my beer. <laughs> oh, my God. Hold on. Here we go. I don't even know this one. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were putting the Bobby one again. Sorry. Tiago <laughs> Alcantara. He rolls you like a Cuban. His passes never miss. Tiago Alcantara, he takes a fucking piss. Tiago. This is a nightmare. <laughs> this is a nightmare. I might be, I might uh, kind of like not do these bets again. I got to come up with something else. I was singing so loud, I didn't realize that you were still playing the J.B. Webster version. <laughs> 
It's all right. Oh, gentlemen, uh, I'll have to find another bet to get Paul to sing soon. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll talk more about the squad. We'll kind of take a closer look at the Euros as we get closer. I know there's a lot of friendlies happening uh, this week uh, coming up uh, before we do record the next podcast. And then, uh, man, uh, at least we're in the Champions League and nightmare season has ended well. We woke up and it wasn't that bad after all. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you guys next week. Up the Reds. <laughs>